host, Katie Sanders. Hello, and welcome to The Curious Life of the Scientist. Today is a postdoc in a nearby lab um, here at UCI, Mary. Say hello. Hi. <laughs> and yeah, I thought it'd be interesting to get a perspective from someone that's already been through a graduate degree and also um, talk a little bit about family planning and stuff, something that I've been thinking about and that she's going through or has been going through. Uh, so we're going to start with the lightning round. Do you have a funny or weird or crazy experiment that went weird? <laughs> yeah, so I have kind of a crazy um setup of an experiment. So when I first started in a lab as an undergrad, I worked in conservation biology uh -huh. and we studied the infestation of bighorn sheep and they were being oh. infested by some mites. So my um, mentor would go and find the bighorn sheep in the field and sometimes if they were already infested and some of them died, they would get the animal and bring them back. Oh. So I had one of my jobs was to take their ears and take the mites and pluck them out. Of the, just that you just got the ears? Just got the ears. <laughs> because we were interested in the phylogeny of both the mice and the bighorn sheep, so we had to get DNA from the mites ah. and the sheep. So part of my <laughs> crazy part of your science life was picking mites out of bighorn uh, sheep ears. Out of ears. <laughs> All right, well, that's a skill, you know. I'm sure you'll use plenty times. Yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. How about any sciencey book recommendations? I have one. Um, actually, this was pretty inspiring for me because I read this kind of at a, a good time in my science career as I was finishing my experiments in my PhD. And then at the start of writing my P um, thesis, I mm -hmm. was reading um, a biography, um, Einstein, His Life and Universe um, oh. by Walter Isaacson. And it's written in a way that you basically are reading through all of Einstein's notes and all of his thoughts about his experiments and his oh, lab cool. notebooks. So it was really great for me to read that at that time because it just showed how he didn't give up and when things get, went wrong, he didn't <laughs> just, he, he just kind of was like, well, whatever, I'll just move on to something else. Yeah. And it gave you that, it really gave me a, a kind of good uh, insight at that time in my career when I was yeah. struggling to close up that chapter of my life and move on <laughs> yeah see oh even Einstein had problems like yeah. <laughs> the same kind of like problems yeah that is that yeah that's interesting I'll have to check that yeah. one out <laughs> it was a great great read <laughs> and how about is there any weird equipment that you've come across we have so much you know random equipment that you find and emptied labs and universities back in the corner is there anything that you came across yeah when I was um, my first tech job after finishing undergrad I, I worked in um, in Denver and we, we I worked in an old hospital and in the building that was attached to the hospital used to um, house the tuberculo tuberculosis patients oh. in the early 1900s Wow and in the basement all of the um, rooms were still set up for patients and you could find equipment that was there from the early 1900s oh my gosh that sounds like a haunted it was house like a haunted or something house. and people actually claimed that it was haunted yeah but of course. <laughs> uh, so that was where we had our autoclave that we had to use oh to gosh. autoclave all of our equipment for tissue culture and so we would have to go down there and go through the corridors into this little room. And this autoclave probably at that time was 
at least 80 years old. Oh my and gosh. It was creepy. And you had to wander through the creepy <laughs> hallways and oh my gosh. And this thing made so much noise <laughs> and that added to the scariness of being down Yeah. There. <laughs> I freak myself out when I'm developing a film in the dark in the dark by myself even if it's, you know, the middle of the day. So, I would yeah. probably not do well. Especially if you're alone on the weekends on or the something, weekends. it's like, yeah, oh, night. <laughs> that sounds scary. All right, I'll, I'll avoid that. Although it sounds very interesting to kind of go yeah. and like look around. and It was like a museum down there. Yeah. Kinda. We'd go peek around and see what kind of equipment they have. And they still had, you know, bags of gauze and things like that. Oh. And so it was, it was really 100 cool. years old. 100 years old, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing, yeah. It's so it's interesting to see kind of how people used to do things Um medical medically and in science uh-huh. it's like well yeah you just solved the problem however you could i guess yep all right so let's start with the interview portion um i just kind of want to talk about your journey to where you are now in your postdoc and kind of start in your childhood or whenever you became interested in science yeah so i think i would kind of go all the way back to junior high Mm -hmm. Um, that was kind of when you started to learn about biology and, um, get interested in, you know, like human biology. Um, Mm -hmm. because prior to that, it was all, let's learn about rocks and weather and science class. And finally, you know, you started to learn about animals and, um, genetics and, um, chemistry. And so for me at that point, I was just determined that I was going to be well, I thought I was going to be an MD doctor. Uh-huh. Um, and so I grew up in a really small town, and the word scientist really didn't exist in my town. Uh-huh. There wasn't, um, nobody ever said, oh, I'm going to go get my PhD and do research. It was, yeah. if you liked science, you just either became a nurse or a doctor. Yeah. So I thought, I'm going to be a doctor. And so <laughs> that was in my head for quite a while, um, all the way until I was um, in the middle of uh, undergrad. And okay. Um, and then, you know, I had been working in a lab early on and I started to think, well, I really don't want to be an MD. I, I really want to be a scientist. Do this and, stuff. Yeah. And do this research lab thing. And so what school did you go to? Um, did I went you? to the university of Colorado in Boulder. Um, so I, um, started working as, uh, early on, like the very first week of classes, actually, as a freshman, I got into a oh. lab and. Um, as I mentioned before, I did the um, conservation biology. Yeah. So, how did you end up joining that lab? Was there? Um, it was just kind of uh, random luck. I, I mm-hmm. wanted to, to work in the lab, and so I applied for like a, a year off, an undergraduate research um, kind of scholarship thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I ended up finding that this person was looking for a helper, and I had got this award. So he said, "Okay, come and work in my lab." and I didn't have any idea what I was interested in at that time, uh-huh. um, but he he taught me basic molecular biology at that point, okay. um, and so I was applying it towards conservation biology. And um, I, you know, I stayed working in that field all four years of undergrad, oh. um, kind of going from animal to animal. Um, and so, even though it was conservation biology, and you were looking at sheep you were also doing yeah. genetics and so you were learning those techniques in the lab yeah. also so basically learning that's dna cool. extraction and pcr and things like yeah. that that's cool um, yeah where were the animals like where did your professor go to um he would go them? to utah to oh. to find them yeah 
Yeah, I remember hearing my friend was going to the Bahamas or something to look at some crustaceans, and I was like, oh, that's what I should do. Yeah. <laughs> Join a lab where you go to, like, Europe or somewhere mm-hmm. really glamorous and do field research. But yeah, I ended up being interested in the small stuff, so mm-hmm. I didn't get very far. But okay, so then did you realize then that you – or did you – focus your degree to molecular biology or yeah I was a molecular cellular developmental biology major okay. um, well, and so cool. basically I was more interested in that side of it than the environmental side mm-hmm. um, but but it was nice to kind of get that exposure yeah. you know um, and so I ended up staying in the environmental side just because I had started there when yeah. hit when I met my position ended there I ended up going to um, a, a lab that studied ferns, and so I did the oh. same work. I extracted DNA, and we just worked, you know, figured out these phylogenies. Yeah, um, and he got his ferns from Hawaii. So, oh, there you go. Yeah, unfortunately, I didn't, <laughs> get, didn't to get to go. go yeah, but. <laughs> that's cool. So he was just looking at yeah the DNA and classifying classifying. There was a ferns. species that was um, endangered in Hawaii, and they were trying to um, kind of map it and figure out where it came from and like why it was becoming extinct. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so, really cool. Yeah, nice. Yeah, ferns are. Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. And then, so after you graduated? Then I got a tech job um, in Denver at for the Health Science Center in Colorado. Okay. Um, And I studied um, heart failure, so I was in a cardiology lab. Okay. Um, And that's where the TB (laughs) museum was. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. So so I did that for a couple of years, um, which was great experience because it changed, you know, it it really got me into where I wanted to be, which was in the disease side of things, Uh you know, the more medical side. Um, And so then um, I ended up moving out here to California and I got another tech position here at UC Irvine. um, And I was in the department of psychiatry. Oh, what were you doing over there? Yeah, we studied um, depression um, and schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. And we were um, taking the RNA from postmortem brain tissue, and we were using microarray to look for gene expression patterns that were distinct for each of the diseases. Huh. Um, yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, did you work with any live people? Like, um, no. Everything was like was postmortem. Okay. Yeah. And did you find any? surprising correlations I mean I know it's complicated but yeah we did actually this this was a really um a great experience for me because my mentor gave me the opportunity to have my own project and so Mm -hmm. I ended up having the experience of writing my first papers and when I before I even started grad school yeah that's great so I had a couple of first authors there um and it and I had even been on projects for it that led to patents so they they have a few Mm. patents out there um, finding correlations with certain gene patterns that are associated with schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. Wow. And so, you know, one of these days, <laughs> yeah. if anything ever happens, we've got that patent. Yeah, that's great. That's yeah. great. Yeah, before before grad school to get that experience. Yeah, yeah. Like so you're more comfortable that, once you get in. Yeah, that maybe. solidified, you know, my, I guess, um, decision to go to grad school mm-hmm. um, and I knew for sure at that point that I was yeah you're like I can do I this I want to be a scientist <laughs> oh, yeah so then you were at Irvine and then 
Yeah. You just, did you apply here? I applied here, um, and I applied to USC and UCLA, um, and I had acceptances for all, um, but I ended up choosing UCLA. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So then, is there a reason you wanted to stay in Southern California? You just liked the um, area? I liked the area. Um, that was kind of my goal when I left Colorado, that I wanted to go to grad school in Southern California. Okay. Yeah. That and worked so, out well. Yeah. <laughs> and I had, at that point, I had already met my, um, who's now my husband. He and I were dating, and so okay. that kind of was also sort of adding to my wanting to stay yeah. here in the area. Okay, did you meet him here? Yeah, I met and him then, here. Oh, I see, yeah. 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 That's why I'm here, family. Yeah. You're kind of Kinda. restricted to whatever area <laughs> if you want to be near them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. Cool, so then you went up to UCLA, mm -hmm. and how was that program? That was a great program, yeah. So it was a like an umbrella program like they have here. Okay, um, so did you do rotations? Yeah, so I rotated through um, three different labs, um, and I kind of had a pretty good idea of what lab I wanted before I started. Mm -hmm. um, That's always good. <laughs> yeah, so I, I ended up, you know, rotating through her lab first and then um, rotated through a couple others that were kind of similar to what I did here at UC Irvine mm -hmm. um, with the microarray and, um, you know, brain disorder kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then kind of one that was like completely different just to sort yeah. of give myself a broader experience yeah, try something new yeah and how had you did you pick you know did you pick your rotations based on what work they were doing did you go and talk to them how did you decide which rotations to do um it was kind of a combination of both so i you know went and read what their profiles were from um from the grad program mm -hmm. website um and then went to talk to them just to kind of get a real feel for what they were doing. Because mm -hmm. um, often I found that, you know, what they have online doesn't really match with what they're doing yeah. at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. What they're excited about or what, yeah, is mm -hmm. actually going on. Yeah. Yeah. So so that was kind of how I, I picked them and, you know, just kind of wanted to get a pretty broad experience when I was doing my rotations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And so what was the lab that you ended up joining? So I study. ended up in, um, her name is Elaine Reed, and she is the director of the Immunogenetics Center. So oh. she studies organ transplant rejection. Um, so my graduate project was based, um, we, we were un interested in understanding um, how chronic rejection occurs. Um, basically, we looked at um, HLA class 1 expression on endothelium, mm -hmm. and the, when a patient is um, having rejection, often they'll generate antibodies directed towards the HLA molecules, and that um, interaction between the HLA molecule and the antibody causes the endothelium to proliferate, and when the endothelium proliferates, the vessels occlude, and that makes the organ fail. Oh. So... Um, oh. I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of an unknown process, I think. Yeah, People that, don't really think geez. about that as far as rejection. They often think, oh, it's because you don't match, you know. Yeah. But there's more things that go on. Um, and these are things that there's not really a good treatment for. Um, and so it's mm -hmm. it's a chronic problem that happens to pretty much most of the organs that are transplanted. And so yeah. um, so that was our, our goal um, in the lab was to understand that process. Okay, yeah, that sounds great. 
And so was it a big lab or small lab? It was, I would say, a medium-sized lab. Okay. Um, there was a few grad students, um, several postdocs, and then some senior um, researchers. Okay. Yeah. And your PI was established when you got there. She had been mm-hmm. going She had already and... been there, I think, for about 10 years or close to 10 years, okay. I think, when I got there. And so what was her style of mentorship? Was she available all the time? Did you have weekly meetings? What was? Um, she was available um, pretty much all the time. Um, I mean, she was re- she's really busy because <laughs> she was the director. Her main job was the director of the Immunogenetics Center, and then she also ran a lab. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, so she wasn't you know, always available, but she made herself available if you needed her, which okay. was great. So yeah. whenever I needed, I have to talk to you about data. She yeah. Would, okay. I'm free on Tuesday at three. And it was always, okay. you know, like within a couple of days or with, you know, that day she was available to talk. So, um, so her availability, even though she was that busy, it was pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how people do it. <laughs> yeah. Do Okay, great. And then what, what do you think was the most challenging part of, of that period for you? Um, I would say it was just understanding how to make the project your own and to really mm-hmm. get everything to come together. Because I felt like the whole time I was in grad school, I was doing this and doing that, and I didn't know where the story was headed. Yeah. And it basically, I felt like, oh, I'm just kind of running on a treadmill here, collecting data, and I don't know like where the path is going to end. Uh huh. Um, so I think for me, it it took a long time to actually sit down, put all of the data together, and say, oh, that's the story that yeah, I'm trying to tell. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, that is difficult. I often <laughs> feel that way as well. <laughs> and then when you started writing, was that, I mean, yeah, after you kind of realized what the story was, mm-hmm. was it difficult for you to do the writing? For me, I haven't had too much trouble with the writing. So I really enjoy the writing part. Okay. Um, so that part was easy. I think the um, the part that I did have trouble with was just kind of figuring out what data was important mm-hmm. and putting it into the story in the correct way. Yeah, I'm so, sure it's hard to leave out anything. You're like, yeah. I spent months on that. <laughs> yeah, and you know, you kind of have that feeling of like, oh, I did all of that, and it's only going to get one sentence with no figure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that does sound difficult. And do you feel like you got a lot of um, help from your committee? From your yeah, I did. Thesis committee, I guess. Yeah, they were they were really helpful. Um, so the way they had it set up for the graduate program is that you had to have a meeting with them every year, mm-hmm. and so you would present your um, data, and then they would discuss, you know, what how they thought your project was going, and um, whether or not you needed to do more experiments or change your experiments. Uh-huh. So I really felt like they were there guiding me along the way. Um, and it was nice, too, because I did have meetings with a couple of them throughout the, the time I was in grad school uh-huh. because they knew a certain part of my project. And yeah. So, so I had, yeah. Get advice from them. Exactly. The part that they're experts in. Yeah. And did you pick those people? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So you kind of knew who you were yeah. asking to help you based on what their strengths were, maybe. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's... Yeah. So it was... It was definitely something my mentor and I sat down and talked about because we knew we wanted certain people from you know different parts of the field to mm-hmm. complement you know the project 
And then we also wanted people that were going to challenge the project because a lot of times, yeah. you know, you, you, oh, I want somebody who's easy, but that's not really what you want. That's you want not someone who's going to help your project move yeah. forward. Yeah. So we had a, a couple of them on there who were really, you know, I'd be in my meetings and I'd get grilled with questions <laughs> and it was good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In the end, that's probably good. Although it's a bit nerve wracking yeah. while it's happening. <laughs> That's great. So then uh, when you finished that or during your PhD, did you know that you want to stay in academia and do a postdoc? Were you yeah, heading I, that way? I was headed towards um, academia 100%, um, but I really was interested in um, becoming kind of like a lab director, like my mentor. Mm -hmm. So I really thought about going to um, get into a molecular diagnostics training program. Um, and so I actually went and applied for that and went through the whole process of trying to figure out how it how I would get it to work. Uh -huh. And unfortunately, the funding just wasn't there for it. Okay. So I really couldn't go that route. Um, so that would be like in charge of a lab in a hospital that does mm -hmm. diagnostics for thing. And is that... Is that a pr training program through a university, or was it through hospitals, or how, how um, would you get into that? It's through a university, yeah, okay. and, and it's coordinated with the hospital. Oh. Um, so this one was actually based out of Cedars-Sinai, but it was mm -hmm. um, in collaboration with UCLA. Okay. Um, yeah, oh. so it was, it definitely was, you know, kind of where I wanted to go, just because I really liked the translational side of science. Uh -huh. um, but then in the end, you know, I kind of, decided, well, I think I'm going to go and do my postdoc. Because as part, as part of the training, you actually are, requ they require you to have a couple of years of postdoc experience okay. kind of before you get into the full force training. So, mm -hmm. um, so that was kind of the problem that I was having was I couldn't find the funding to support me in the program. Um, and they had, you know, gone through this major budget cut yeah so there weren't imagine. these um, it's yeah pretty bad there so. weren't any sort of fellowships available uh -huh. anymore so okay so then how did you f end up finding your postdoc so I yeah. started looking for um you know postdocs in the vascular field because um, mm -hmm. I wanted to stay in vascular biology and I really kind of wanted to shift towards more of a cancer um vascular um lab mm -hmm. as opposed to you know just the organ transplant side uh -huh. um so i started looking just online um different websites um wanted i i kind of wanted to you know think outside of southern california as well so mm -hmm. i was thinking more like northern california central you know kind yeah. of all over okay um but in the end, you know, I thought, well, I kind of have to stay here in Southern California because, <laughs> you know, this is where my husband wants to live. And yeah. um, so in the end, I ended up finding um, uh, the lab that I'm in now. I saw a posting for it. And when I told my um, thesis mentor, I said, oh, look at this. And she said, there you go. That's the perfect lab <laughs> for you. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like with your background and your interests, it yeah. seems like you were yeah, pointed right yeah. right to the right place <laughs> yeah so as soon as I saw that posting I thought oh this is the one I want <laughs> and did you just see the posting just from the lab website um, is there like a I think it was through the UCI um website they have okay. a postdoc um job application yeah. listing okay. yeah yeah just like any other job cool yeah so then you started here a couple years ago, mm -hmm. right? And how is that going? <laughs> yeah, so that's going well. It's 
it's definitely um, you know a nice transition from ending grad school to mm-hmm. moving on to that postdoc position because you sort of you know you're still kind of doing the same job basically you're mm-hmm. trying to get publications and you know get a story but I think because you're not um, focused on I need to graduate mm-hmm. I need to you know get this project and what how am I gonna finish so I can get my PhD like I I feel like you have much more of a relaxed um, thought process as far as your project goes because you get more time to really think about it and where you want it to go and what part of it you really like yeah and you kind of already have an idea of what what your project is going to be from day one maybe so and I think just not as much you're you're you have all that experience behind you whereas when you start Mm -hmm. grad school you spend the first couple of years just kind of learning (laughs) protocols figure out what's going on (laughs) yeah so so I think that the transition you know is it's pretty smooth I think from grad school to the postdoc that's good to hear yeah it always sounded well it sounds like I don't know that I don't even know if I'll do a postdoc, but it seems like that the pressure there is because that's what's going to help you find your job afterwards. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's always something that's kind of pressuring yeah. you to do well for the next step. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. But but that's yeah. You still you still feel that pressure of where where am I going to get you know my project from you know because yeah. if you want to stay in academia you kind of have to start to carve out a path for yourself at some point and yeah. so it's a matter of like well what do I really like and you know what part of it is interesting and what part of it is fundable yeah 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 so. you have to take all those factors into account which can be difficult yeah <laughs> and so what lab are you in now and do you want to give a quick overview of a project or part of a project that you're working sure. on yeah so I'm in Chris Hughes's lab and we're we study angiogenesis and um, cancer. So what the focus of our projects, our overall general idea is that when a tumor grows, um, it can only grow to a certain size and it actually needs blood vessels to support it in order to get bigger. Mm-hmm. And so we study what those blood vessels are doing in order to make them want to grow into the tumor and support the tumor growth. Mm -hmm. Um, And so basically, um, my project, one of my projects is understanding what signaling is going on within the cell that um, allows it to think, well, okay, I'm going to start invade my way over to this tumor cell and, you know, start growing inside of it and providing it with nutrients and Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So the disruptive signals that um, cause your normal vasculature to um, all of a sudden start growing around this tumor. Yeah. Um, So I'm interested in a pathway that's known to be involved in angiogenesis, but hasn't really been characterized yet. Mm. So I'm trying to tease out the steps of this pathway to see if I can understand more um, the molecular mechanism, and mm-hmm. then hopefully this could um, point us into ways of developing new inhibitors um, for targeting angiogenesis. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, and I want to. I've been uh, kind of getting into the angiogenesis world a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I just want to thank you for all your help with some stuff that I've been trying to learn. Definitely. Um, it's been really interesting, and there's really cool ways to look at angiogenesis and endothelial cells. Um, yeah, so that's been fun. 
All right. And so then I just want to kind of change gears and talk about family planning and kind of if you decided, oh, I'm going to wait till after my PhD to have a child or kind of when you started thinking about that, how you were thinking about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So definitely a lot of thought went into it just because Uh especially when you're doing your PhD, it's just so difficult because you really don't have the opportunity to take time off. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for me, I got married a year before I finished my PhD. So I really didn't want to have a child until I finished my PhD. So, um, so I definitely held off, you know, until it was done. And then as far as like when the postdoc started, I, um, basically didn't really have a good plan in, in my head of like, Oh, this is the perfect time to have a child. I just thought, well, I'm in my postdoc, I guess we can probably have one at some point during my postdoc. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was kind of the, the thought process just sometime during the postdoc. And, um, I guess the reality of it is there's really not a good time because a child takes up a lot of time and, um, a postdoc takes up a lot of time. (laughs) So there's not a perfect time, but yeah, but they're not, I mean, yeah, there never it's, is. I don't there think there never is. Yeah, anytime, and anytime, in whenever you're <laughs> working and having a child, no matter what job you do, I think it's always a challenge. But yeah, um, but yeah, I just decided, you know, during the postdoc would be a good time. Yeah, and then was it difficult when you were pregnant to go through that as well as you know coming in to lab all the time? And in the in the know. beginning, it was fine. Um, you know, I basically didn't really feel any different. I uh-huh. had a little bit of morning sickness, but kind of that didn't last too long. And fortunately I had a pretty healthy pregnancy. So yeah, I decided I'm going to work until the very end. Mm-hmm. Um, and I managed really pretty well, I think all the way. I felt like I had good energy and, um, could still do most of the things that I had you know, done before. Um, and it wasn't until the very end that I started to just feel like more tired and that kind of thing. (laughs) But, um, but I was fortunate I was able to work all the way until three days before my daughter was born. You're kidding me. Yeah. Three days. I stopped working on a Friday and she was born on a Monday. You're like, Oh, I guess I'll, I guess I'll stay home today. Oh, that is crazy. Wow. Three days. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, it was, um, you know, for, for, I was fortunate that that was the way it worked out. Cause yeah. a lot of times, you know, people have troubles and have to go yeah. on bed rest uh-huh. and that kind of thing. But yeah, it was, it was a healthy pregnancy. Yeah, you were just ready to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you had some time off after she was born. Yeah. So adjust. I had, I took some time off. I, t- I wanted to take, um, 12 weeks. Um, and so I did that. Um, and it was, good because I felt like I needed to have that time, you know, to adjust as a new mom and to, you know, take care of an infant. Cause obviously I couldn't imagine having to go sleepless nights and then mm-hmm. go to work the next yeah. day. So getting to myself to adjust and the baby to adjust and yeah. sort of get it all figured out. And <laughs> so now it's all figured out. Now it's all figured out. Well, we're still learning as we yeah. go along, but yeah, but at least, you know, kind of managing a little bit better and yeah. And then was it difficult to come back to work? It was. Yeah. It was hard because, you know, you have this new child that you really love and bond Mm -hmm. with, and then you have to go and be away from them for, you know, a long period of the day. And 
so focus that, on something else. <laughs> yeah. So that part was hard. But, yeah. um, but I, I sent her to, you know, daycare and I saw how she really had a good time at daycare. Mm-hmm. And so that made it easy to sort of, you know, let her go do that and yeah, kind of let, let her do her thing. And, you know, she's, for me, I, I call, I call it school. I say, you're going to go to school today. <laughs> um, it sort of gives me like a peace of mind, like, oh, she's going to do something that's, you know, helpful for her. Yeah. Yeah. And be around other yeah. kids and yeah, just start on that, on a kind of schedule. Yeah. It's probably good. Yeah. Yeah. You're both going to school. We're both going to school. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah, but then I just remember talking to you about this a couple of months ago, how it's difficult to come back, but it's also good to kind of have your own yeah. um, work to focus on or, you know, to get back a sense of yourself or I don't know. It just seems yeah. like, you know, it's hard when people have kids and they spend all their time, they focus all their attention and time on their kid. <clears throat> yeah. And it's important to kind of have your own mm-hmm. thing yeah, to do. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think it it's a struggle, I think, for um, stay-at-home moms or dads. Like, they sort of lose that sense of, like, well, who am I besides the person who changes mm-hmm. diapers and feeds and yeah. cleans up after this, you know, baby? <laughs> and um, and I kind of had that sense, you know, during my maternity leave because, you know, an, a newborn is just so much work. Like, you're, mm-hmm. that's all you do is just to take care of the, the newborn. And it was the first time in a very, very long time where I didn't, you know, constantly have papers to read and experiments uh-huh. to do. And so I started to feel like, wow, like you could really get lost, you know, push everything else away and just, you know, completely lose like all the other stuff that, you know, makes up you. Yeah. And so it was really nice, you know, to come back and start to have adult conversations again and, <laughs> um, you know, get back into the, um, the science and, you know. Yeah, get back on track of you know where I enjoy the the passion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that was really a nice thing for me to hear because I just always thought, oh, it's going to be so hard after you have a child to come back to work. It, you know, what if it just doesn't seem as important or it doesn't seem you know, um, yeah, like you would want to do that. But then mm-hmm. there's that side of it where you still are interested in other things and you still want to maintain what you you know your your career and things like that and. So you can yeah. find a balance there, yeah. hopefully. Um, yeah, it's definitely, there's a, there, it's a balance. Yeah, you, you, you sort of go from, you know, being a science person and science, 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 and then all, now all of a sudden you're a mom, and uh-huh. that obviously always comes first. Yeah. But at the same time, you're like, well, I'm still a science person, too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> two sides. Yeah, and maybe that's a good point to ask you kind of, how you deal with stress or any tips you have to relieve stress. Yeah, you know, I try to always kind of minimize stress. Mm -hmm. Um, So whenever things start to get too overwhelming and I start thinking, oh my gosh, I have to get this and that and that and this isn't working, that's not working, I just think of like the big picture um, Mm -hmm. and I kind of think, well, in the grand scheme of things, this isn't that bad, you know. Uh And then I, I try to remember the past and think about things that have happened to me in the past and 
kind of say, well, I got through that and now I'll probably get through this as well. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes when it gets really crazy, I just have to completely remove myself and just go do something completely different. Mm -hmm. Um, and for me, I like to read. So when I do get a chance, I try to read, you know, fiction and mm -hmm. escape. Reading for fun. <laughs> Reading for fun. <laughs> like, yeah, I used to love that. Yeah. And it's been a while since I've had that chance, but I, I do like to do that. And yeah. then, you know, I'll just kind of zone out in front of the TV and just let my mind not think about things. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that is important. Yeah, and perspective, like you were saying, is really important. I think coming to lab day in and day out, you kind of get wrapped up. Of course, everyone does in your own world and what you're doing. And for me, I know that when I can get away and get some perspective on how things are, yeah. you know, in the real world, then things don't seem so important. Right. <laughs> you know, if, <laughs> if this experiment didn't work or whatever. Um, yeah. So that's, that's a good point. All right. And finally, I just want to see if you have any advice for high school or college students that are thinking about furthering their education in science or pursuing a PhD. Yeah, I think the, the best advice that I can give is just to stick with it, um, to keep focus on your passion. Um, and if you're really interested, I would say try and find somebody who will mentor you. Mm -hmm. um, the, the best way to getting to your goals is to having great mentors. And I know there's a lot of opportunities for high school and especially for college students to get into a lab and mm -hmm. find um, a graduate student, a postdoc, or even a professor that, you know, just takes you under your wing and supports you throughout you know, your goals and kind of fosters all of your um, dreams. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think I would have made it if I hadn't had, you know, great mentors along the way. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yes, I agree. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mary, for letting me interview for my podcast. Sure. Um, yeah. That's the end. <laughs>